0: Cracking big dogs welcome bike to the channel welcome bike to thy headquarters my name is Nicholas and this is bdg big dogs gotta eat mugs hoodies crewnecks whatever whatever available on the store right now store. there's a little merch button at the top that'll take you to our shop we had a uh this was a pretty wild weekend because it was Halloween in New York City now it was a wild weekend um, for football. A lot of injuries, a lot of a lot of crazy storylines, I feel like. You know, we I feel like we've had a few boring weeks in a row. But um, you can't get too comfortable in fantasy football. That's when you get smacked in your titties. I think we all got a little titty smack, especially the Derrick Henry owners today. We are going to dive into Derrick Henry. We're going to dive into early waiver wire pickups for this Wednesday. We are going to go game by game every single highlight that happened this week, how it relates to fantasy football, how we doing out there. Make sure you hit the thumbs up if you enjoy the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new, as we always do on our Monday morning. Happy November. It's a new month. It's a new month to be a piece of shit again for an entire month. Good stuff. Wipe the slate clean and be even worse than you were in October. Great day. It's a great, it's a great month to, to be alive. Great month to pretend to want to be alive. Let's light up a little Palo Palo Salto. Where the fuck this thing is called again? It's all about the fucking vibes. Anyone have any good costumes this weekend? What was the best? What was the best costume you saw? One of my homies pulled off an absolutely flawless rendition of. Dr. Evil and Mini-Me with one of his homies. Let me try to pull it up for you. Oh, why is it not on his story? No, don't fucking do it to me. Damn, it's not on a story anymore. It evaporated into the night. That's unfortunate. Um, oh, boy. We're getting dirty today. Um, So... Anyways, just, just take my fucking word for it. It's one of the better costumes I've honestly ever seen. I'm ready to dive into the games if you guys are. Let me know who you are. You got a vasectomy? How's that for a costume? It's a pretty good costume. Makes you a fucking clown. I'm trying to pump out. We got a population problem. We don't have enough people here. I saw a dude dressed like Saquon on crutches. That's pretty funny. All right, uh, let's get into the games. Oh no. There we go. I I I did something smart. We used our brain a little bit for this week and we opened up the games prior to the actual stream so that we wouldn't have to load every single page as this shit gets slower and slower. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game, the Packers Cardinals. Thank you for everybody that hung out and streamed with us. Uh that was a lot of fun, actually. Oh fuck. Oh boy. Um Biggest takeaways here, Aaron Jones still good at the game. Devontae Adams will be back next week, so no um, no problem there if you are a Devontae Adams owner in terms of long-term vision. Of course, I played against Randall Cobb in the E-Town get-down, but it didn't matter because we threw up a 165 spot, and Grit had Derrick Henry, and we took we we f- <clears throat> came away with the dub. An animal loss, and he might drop out of the top four in this week's episode of Fade the Public. is going to be a beautiful fucking thing. Uh, Robert Tunyon tears his ACL. What does this mean for the Green Bay passing game? doesn't fucking mean anything. It just means you continue to start Devontae Adams. Um, Randall Cobb was involved in the red zone. So I guess I guess when Alan Lazard is back, I think MVS is going to end up being back. They almost pushed him. You could tell by all the reports and shit of him possibly going on Thursday night. He was definitely not 100%. So I'm glad they kind of rested him and they'll have him back. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been pretty disappointing for fantasy owners, to be honest with you. And it's going to be a little bit tough to keep relying on him. I mean, his weapons are out and he will have good games, but I think he's more of a low-end QB1 who you definitely can stream someone over him um, if he's in a tough matchup. So nothing really on this side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. Robert Tunyon out. Uh, there's no one else I really want to pick up, but you know, depending on what happens, because Alan Lazard, MVS, Devontae Adams, a lot of moving parts here, so we can't really put our finger... On the titty until we know what's going on there. I would keep an eye on Alomar though. If MVS isn't back as a secondary piece, that would benefit from Robert Tunyon being out. On the Arizona side of the things, we do have a few takeaways here. One of which is Kyler Murray had this ankle sprain, but it's from what I've from what I've gathered. Because again, I'm only technically a doctor. From what I've gathered, this ankle sprain is a little bit different than a typical low ankle sprain. It 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 happened to a part of his foot or his ankle. I, I, maybe it's just a foot sprain, but it happened to a part of his foot ankle area that's not typical. So it will not be a typical. Um, It will not be a typical. I got to get out of the comment section because y'all fuck with my head. It will not be a typical ankle sprain or whatever. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on in terms of his mobility, in terms of all this shit happening, whatever. Keep an eye on Kyler. It is definitely something that could be concerning going forward. Chase Edmonds, James Conner split the backfield as usual. Chase Edmonds finally got into the fucking end zone. I really thought he wasn't going to score a touchdown this year, but again, James Conner comes away with two. T- Yo, Chase Edmonds like low key might be the number one overall running back if he were the goal line back, but that's never going to happen. So Chase Edmonds good to see a, a nice little score, but as usual, if he doesn't score, he's giving you ten points maybe. So I look at Chase Edmonds the exact same going forward. Same with James Conner. DeAndre Hopkins starts off with his fifty-five yard bomb, and then he retweaks his hamstring injury. I would be a little bit surprised if he played next week. I know they do have 10 days of rest, but he was jumping in and out of the game on his own accord, and Cliff Kingsbury was not happy about it. I don't know how serious the the re-injury was to the hamstring, but clearly, clearly way less than 100% for DeHop. So a lot to take away here from Arizona going forward this week to keep an eye on. DeHop could miss. Kyler... Maybe, maybe doesn't miss time, but could definitely be limited on the mobility chart. So that's really the only takeaways I have here. Uh, Rondell Moore is obviously droppable if you haven't dropped him yet. Let's move on to the Sunday games. We have the Panthers versus the Falcons in an absolute shit show of a game. So Sam Darnold leaves this game in the concussion protocol, I believe. So keep a close eye on that because pj walker becomes a streaming option he is someone that can run the ball he's not a run first quarterback and he's not a very good quarterback so he's not someone i'm like dying to grab but you know listen super flex leagues there are there are spots to be filled in the quarterback um kingdom as we might put it all right so keep an eye on sam darnold progressing through the concussion protocol chuba hubbard starts off the game with a with a uh with a fumble that he loses and we're thinking oh fucking royce freeman amir abdullah season Didn't happen. Chuba Hubbard uh, ends up coming back strong, takes 26 opportunities from the backfield. The big storyline is here uh, is whether or not Christian McCaffrey comes back. Matt Rule came out today and said he's hopeful that Christian McCaffrey can play in week nine, but he's literally been saying that since like week five. And it's been like six weeks. So I would err on the side of pessimism when it comes to C-Mac. If not this week, then next week. If not next week, then the week after that. If fucking who knows at this point. Um, hopefully, see mac can come back, but I would definitely not give it a shoe in by any means, so keep firing up Chuba Hubbard for a guy who gets a ton of touches. Pass catchers, you obviously can't start anyone besides DJ Moore, and DJ Moore swings and flows as uh, Sam Darnold does, so as you can see, continues to get the targets, but like, not very confident when Sam Darnold continues to put up fucking 129-point stankers. Mm. Um, I mean, you keep you keep firing DJ Moore up as a Low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Even with P.J. Walker in there. Oh, boy, I fucked up the camera, didn't I note him? Uh, even with P.J. Walker in there, I think D.J. Moore is still obviously the number one target here. Atlanta side of the ball. So Calvin Ridley has basically retired for the near future. Um, we're going to get a lot of questions about Calvin Ridley. Here is my take. I Sure, you can trade. I, I would not trade for Calvin Ridley. Unless you're getting like a unless you're getting a trade offer in which you wouldn't have to send to me because, you know, it's so ridiculous. Right. Like if you had to give up Robbie Anderson for fucking Calvin Ridley. Yes, you're going to do that. okay? if you have to give up uh, like a top 15 or top 20 wide receiver at this point, like Cortland Sutton or something like that. I'm just probably not going to do that. I'm not going to trade for a player that we have absolutely no fucking idea what's going on. All right. Uh, There's something you know, this is something I talked about for the last few weeks that something seemed off with Calvin Ridley. And then the personal matters came up. So I was like, yeah, there's definitely something going on behind the scenes with Calvin Ridley. So if right now you're sitting on Calvin Ridley. I'm not dropping him um, in dynasty. You're obviously holding on to him. He's a young, extremely talented player that had the ceiling of a top five wide receiver this year, but what can you do? You can't do anything, you know, don't trade for him unless you're getting a ridiculous deal. You could trade him away, I guess, if you're going to get something good for him, but you know, there's not much that I could tell you that y'all don't know or that we everyone as a community don't fucking know. At this point, we thought it was going to lead to more work for Corderell and or uh, Kyle Pitts. It was just a it was just a bad game overall, you know, for the Falcons. So I'd like to say uh, we wipe it down and and throw out the tape. But like this is what the Falcons are going to give you probably more often than not. You continue to fire Kyle Pitts up, though, uh, as a high end tight end one. Same thing, with Corderell Patterson uh, still have. Absolutely no faith in Mike Davis, but I guess next week's going to be a big bye week. I believe there are like four or five teams on bye, and a lot of them are with good players. So you got Tampa Bay on a bye. Um, We'll get some more, I guess, bye weeks later on into the video. But obviously, you're holding on to Corderell, Kyle Pitts. Uh, You can hold on to Mike Davis if you want, but like he has very, very little ceiling outside of scoring a rushing touchdown. And Falcons are not a team that really give you that much opportunity in that department. Dolphins, Buffalo. Uh, takeaways here: Miles Gaskin. Good to see sixteen opportunities. He will be a solid piece for your fantasy team going forward. You're not going to get much out of the Buffalo Bills, and that's something that we pretty much knew going going into this game. So it's not like a surprise that Miles Gaskin uh, ended up with like 55 total yards, but the 16 overall touches or 16 overall opportunities. 15 overall touches were uh, certainly good to see from the backfield. So you continue to play him as a flex play to a horrible, horrible game. But again, Buffalo bills body Parker made his return. This is, this has been basically the storyline of the Miami dolphins receiving group as it pertains to fantasy for the last two years straight. We ebb and flow with the upside of all these receivers as they've had so many injuries to their passing group. Right. I had a lot of Jalen Waddle sit, start questions on the Sunday live stream that I did. And, uh, and a lot of my answers were that if, you know, Devonte Parker and these guys were coming back, then I'm way less optimistic about Waddle because, a lot of these players who we feel like are talented and we've seen glimpses like Mike Gasicki and Waddle and Parker at times when those guys were out and he was the only one in, whoever's like the lone guy there gets the alpha volume, right? But as soon as they all come into play, it's impossible to tell who's going to get what. So I think going forward, if Parker's on the field, Waddle's on the field, Gasicki's on the field, Gaskin is on the field, Will Fuller's still not practicing. So I, I think he's still a little bit away from actually being on the field. But if all these guys are on the field together, like you, you you take their ceiling way down or at least like their consistency or your comfortability starting them. Right. So you can't throw Jalen Waddle into your lineup as anything more than like a desperate flex play right now with Parker there and Gasicki there. Gasicki, you still put in your lineup just because no one at tight end does fucking anything in this league. Um, and he will on a consistent basis. But you all get my point. Like the ceiling games are not going to be there if everyone is in the mix. All right. Buffalo side of things. Josh Allen does his thing. Cole Beasley, once again, tops the charts, 13 targets, 10 catches, 110 yards. They get, I believe, Jacksonville next week and then maybe the Jets after that. So you're going to get some games out of players on this team that you're definitely going to want to hold on to. One of those guys, probably Zach Moss. Uh, The backfield itself is like not valuable whatsoever. But this is a game where, you know, they got off to a slow start, ended up putting up 16 in the fourth quarter. So they did reach away from Miami. But in a normal game script like this, when they get a big again, like someone in the backfield is going to end up benefiting from it. And it's usually going to be Zach Moss. Zach Moss had seven fucking targets. And I don't know the top off the top of my head, you know, his career in terms of the passing volume. But I would guess that's a career high for Zach Moss. Uh, same number of targets as Stefan Diggs. So the cornerbacks played well for Miami in this game, which led to him not really being able to throw outside to his alphas and Diggs and Davis and and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, which was absolute fucking dud. I told a hell of people to start Emmanuel Sanders. I had Emmanuel Sanders in a few of my lineups. So uh, I would apologize to y'all for that, but like how the fuck am I supposed to know? Emmanuel Sanders is gonna catch zero balls on a game against the one in seven Miami Dolphins. Um, I would I would still put Sanders into my lineup next week. I would still put Cole Beasley into my lineup next week. Zach Moss will be a flex play next week against, again, I think it is Jacksonville, if not the New York Jets. Uh, But two good matchups in a row where you're seeing a lot of volume from him. Devin Singletary is not startable whatsoever. He's not even ownable at this point. I would not have him on any of my rosters. Uh, Diggs, I guess you can kind of start looking at him as more of a low-end wide receiver one uh, going forward. He's just not getting the type of volume that he got last year. They did just miss connecting on like a 50-yard touchdown down the field. So you could be looking at a a much, much bigger, you know, two-touchdown, 100-yard game from Diggs. So it's not anything I'm really, really worried about when it comes to Mr. Diglett over there. Um, but yeah, fire up Beasley, Sanders, Diggs next week again. 49ers Bears. Now, this is this was a this was a fun game because Jimmy G is so fucking bad, but ended up with a 30 burger. I was trying to decide in the Town get down, I have Dalvin Cook. Snacks dropped Alexander Madison this week, and I didn't pick him up any of the days. We have a fab budget that processes every morning. On Sunday, it opens up for a free-for-all, though. And I was like, I got to get Madison, but who do I drop? It was between Zach Moss and Jimmy G. Now, I have Tom Brady and Carson Wentz as my two quarterbacks in Superflex, but Brady's on a bye next week. So I'm like, I got to have another quarterback. I have Tyrod Taylor, and I have Deshaun Watson also on my bench, but I have zero confidence that Tyrod Taylor is back this week. And very little confidence that Deshaun Watson actually gets traded. I'm not going to be able to use him next week regardless. Cause even if he does get traded, I doubt he's like playing a full complement of snaps of playing at all. Cause he's got to learn a whole new playbook. So I'm like, okay, I, I guess I can't cut Jimmy G though. I want to keep Zach Moss cause Gibson's on a buy next week. I have a bunch of players on a buy next week, TJ Hawkinson. So I got to fill my flex spots and Godwin too. What do I do here? I ended up dropping Zach Moss, even though he does have that fruity fucking schedule coming up. Kept, kept Jimmy G. I look on the, uh, on my bench, zero touchdowns for Jimmy G ends up with 30 points. It seems like the NFL doesn't need Derrick Henry when we have Jimmy G on the fucking goal line, right? That's all the excitement we need. Cause he gets in twice from the goal line and he's, he's just not a good quarterback, man. Like he's just not a good fucking quarterback. I wish they went to Trey Lance, but if they win, they're not going to do it. Debo Samuel literally carried Jimmy G he put him on a fucking rope, put him on the back of his truck and carried him down the field nine targets, another 170. I feel like Debo and Cooper Cup are both going to be like, breaking records this year they're both going to end up with like 1800 receiving yards one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time and they're not going to be in the conversation whatsoever for like some of the better receivers of all time you know what i mean like a guy like calvin johnson does it or a got like randy moss or like julio jones or you know deandre hopkins puts up 1700 1800 1900 yards in a season and you're like this is one of the greatest wide receiver seasons of all time they're one of the greatest wide receivers of all time Cooper Cup and, and Debo Samuel do this shit, and not, no one's blinking a fucking eye putting them in the greatest conversations of all time type shit, all right? But Debo's going to keep doing it, bro. Debo's going to keep doing it. Um, He continues to be the top-targeted guy. Brandon Ayuk got seven targets, but I dropped his ass in the E-Town Get Down League. That is a 10-team league. On the flip side, I also dropped Allen Robinson in a 10-team league. Felt good doing fucking both of it. Neither of these guys are usable whatsoever. Shouldn't be rostering them whatsoever. Um, Yeah, so fuck both of them. But Debo keep firing up Elijah Mitchell. I told a lot of guys to start him. Thankfully, it seemed like it was going to be a tough matchup against the Bears, but they were without Khalil Mack. So you have to feel pretty fucking good about Elijah Mitchell going forward. 18 carries still not involved in the passing side of things. But man, he is good on the fucking ground. 18 for 137 and a tugger long of 39 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. Uh Jim Michael Hasey was the only other running back to get touches there. Three carries for four yards. Trey Sermon, obviously not on your teams. Jeff Wilson, know, if you're holding him for an IR spot, you could probably drop his ass. This is the Elijah Mitchell show going forward um, for the Bears. Huge game out of Justin Fields, finally, because he goes for 103 yards on the ground. Scores. Looks okay in the passing side of things. Fumbles twice, doesn't lose either of them. So Justin Fields, I get, I, I think he had like twenty-seven fantasy points or some shit. So feel a little bit better about him because Matt Nagy's in the COVID fucking protocol. They finally use him to run the ball and put him into situations where he can scramble out wide and whatever. So feel a little bit good about Justin Fields, but like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to scoring eleven points next week in fantasy. Uh, Khalil Herbert, the other thing here. So Damien Williams gets banged up, leaves the game, doesn't return. I believe Khalil Herbert got banged up as well in this one. I don't know how serious it was. Actually, let's let's just open up Twitter and see if we have any news on the Khalil Herbert injury. I'm just going to do this through my phone. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly. for the ones who get it done. He's been so good. It's actually becoming like one of my favorite running backs to, to watch play. It's kind of wild. Cliff Herbert suffered a knee-to-knee or knee-to-head and is being checked for a concussion Okay, so at worst, we'll be good to go back in. is back on the sideline. All right, so it doesn't look like anything crazy there. Maybe he ends up in the concussion protocol, but I don't believe that is the case right now. Um, and 50-50 chance for him to return if he does end up in the concussion protocol. Khalil Herbert is uh, is really, really, really... They, they found something special in Khalil Herbert, man, in this late-round pick. I think he's been too good for them not to use him in a pretty decent capacity when... David Montgomery returns. It does not seem like David Montgomery is going to return for a couple of weeks. I think they have their bye week. I think they have a in their bye week, and then maybe he comes back. But at this point, there's no sense in rushing David Montgomery back when Khalil Herbert is giving you exactly what David Montgomery gave you, probably plus some. Uh, so I'm you're you're holding on to Khalil Herbert for sure. Uh, I'm actually I might send Animal an offer of Jimmy G for Khalil Herbert right now. He owns David Montgomery. He's got Khalil Herbert. But his quarterbacks, he just traded Baker for Jameis Winston, so Jameis Winston's obviously out for the year with a torn ACL, and then his his bench quarterbacks are like Sam Darnold and, and Jared Goff. So maybe I could pull it off telling him that like Lula Herbert only has like one more week left in him. Um, otherwise, there's really nobody else to own on this Chicago team. Like I guess you could take Darnold Mooney over Allen Robinson, but you know Darnold Mooney's going to go three for fucking thirty-two next week. Got the Steelers versus the Browns. Uh, I can't, I can't believe people attended this game. Shout out to the diehards that actually went to this shit game. Ben Roethlisberger, 266 yards passing and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 26 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Also catches three passes, three targets, 29 yards. So he goes for a buck 20 overall and a tug. Najee Harris, just one of the most solid fantasy players in the whole fucking Western Hemisphere at this point receiving wise, Deontay Johnson continues to get targeted at an unbelievable rate. 13 targets, six catches, 98 yards. You just put him into your lineup every single week. Chase Claypool, disappointing game. Five targets, four catches, 45 yards. Uh, Man, I I wish we saw something more out of him, but it seems like all the targets are just going to Deontay Johnson and, and dump offs. And Pat Fryermuth, man, he seems like one of the top waiver wire pickups at the tight end position this week. Seven targets, four catches, 44 yards, and a tugger. Eric Ebron was out for this game. So Pat Fryermuth kind of stepped in as the alpha there at the tight end position, even though he has been overtaking Ebron in almost every production category and all this shit. So Pat Fryermuth is someone definitely that should be rostered in tight end premium leagues. I think we talked about it last week as well. So it was a good streaming option and he continues to go like four for 45. I feel like every single game, sometimes he scores a touchdown, sometimes he does not, but he gets heavily near the red zone. So that's kind of all you can ask for is for your tight end to hopefully grab it a little, t- a little tugger action there. And, uh, and he did so. So not much here. I'm, I'm holding on to Chase Claypool. I still think he's a top 30 wide receiver going forward rest of season. I think he will still have those big ass games. We saw it a few weeks ago. Uh, they're just not clicking right now. So I'll hold on to him and I'll still continue to roll him out in my flex because I, I, I want to catch those big games when they happen. And the way to not catch those is benching him after his shitty games. All right. That's what happens. Chase Claypool. I think you continue to fire him up next week if they are not on a buy, which I believe they already had their buy, so they won't be, no. On the flip side of things, Baker's obviously still ailing from that shoulder. Nick Chubb had his first game. Bite, 16 carries, 61 yards, catches one ball for eight yards. Dearness Johnson is playing that Kareem Hunt role for the most part. They didn't have a lot of running back touches. They didn't have the ball for a a long period of time. They only only ran like 55 plays, which is uh, abysmal because the Steelers ran 67 plays Uh, So the Browns had like no time of possession, basically, in this game. If they had more time of possession, Dearness Johnson probably would have had some more looks. He did get in for a touchdown. I think you hold on to Dearness Johnson until Kareem Hunt comes back. And I think you're honestly going to be able to use him as a flex play. Uh, The Steelers defense is just getting into their zone right now. And they're not a team that uh, offenses seem to be productive against. They're on a hot streak right now, their team overall. And it's a large part because of their defense and and TJ Watt getting to the quarterback and whatnot. So uh, expected a down game from them. They play The Browns play the Bengals next week, so they have a, a much easier schedule going forward. The Bengals, the Patriots, the Lions. Uh, so you could, you could play Dearness Johnson against the Bengals next week. You're obviously starting Nick Chubb. You could start Jarvis Landry, 10 targets, 5 catches, 65 yards. You cannot start anybody else. Odell Beckham does not deserve to be on your team. He barely deserves to be on an NFL team. All right, I want to talk to you all about something because it is wintertime and it's getting a little bit cold out here. It's, it's cold in New York. And uh, the most important, my favorite part about winter is fashion, is clothing, is layering. Layering is super important. It is not difficult. It doesn't have to be difficult. You don't have to have a bunch of super expensive pieces of clothing. You don't have to have all these graphic tees. Minimal, plain clothing, but layered goes a long fucking way. All right. My favorite style this winter is a simple t-shirt. You know, white tea, black tea, whatever. My favorite, uh, like basics. If you go to Zara, you can get basics of hoodies. You can get basics of t shirts in all different types of colors and shit, which are perfect for layering. T shirt, regular hoodie, and then putting something over the top of it. It can be a flannel. It can be, let me grab some sheet right here. It can be some denim. It can be a nice little peacoat action here. I'm actually going to try them on for y'all right now. If y'all want to take out the lube and popcorn and whatnot. You know, I might act like a piece of shit most of the time, but sometimes I dress to play. Sometimes I, I dress to play ball. So you can go with an oversized flannel, go with an oversized flannel, throw it over the hoodie. Or if we talk about that fucking business, we rip up the peacoat. One piece of advice when investing in winter jackets, if you want to look nice and you want to look presentable and you want to look slim, size down when it comes to nice, when it comes to bomber jackets, when it comes to peacoats, when it comes to suits, anything nice, high fashion, size down. All right. It looks way fucking better. You don't want to be walking around in baggy clothing and shit. So we've got the peacoat for the players. And then we've got the denim jacket. So these are the basics I would get. I would get some basic tees. I would get some basic hoodies. And I would get some basic type jackets. I would say a bomber jacket is needed. A peacoat is needed. And then certainly a denim jacket, whether it is blue or black. I got like fucking 17 of them. Let's get it. I see people just dropping out the live chat left and right. I would do the same fucking thing if my annoying ass was getting dressed on camera and playing Barbie. Uh, But this is the style, man. You want to get some basics and you want to layer up with different types of jackets, with hoodies underneath them. All right. And it brings me to the whole entire fucking point I was getting to. Why is my welcome bike sign not on? Oh, we disconnected. Welcome, bike. We on air. Uh, This hoodie in particular, which fits me fucking beautifully, is from Cuts Clothing, right? I like Zara. Oh, no. Why are we cutting out right now? Are we still live? Yeah, we are. Uh, I love Zara for basics. Cuts Clothing has wonderful fucking basics for like everyday life, whether you need hoodies or T-shirts or athletic clothing or just to go to fucking work. They've got it all. Cuts Clothing is wonderful. It is super comfortable and it's like... It's very flexible, right? You want to get layers on layers on layers. And you can go to cutsclothing.com. And when you use the promo code Big Dogs B-I-G-D-O-G-S, you're going to get 15% off your order, all right? So if you're like, I don't know what to wear in winter, and you're just wearing lazy ass sweatpants and jackets that don't fit you, this is how you upgrade the apparel. You layer on layer on layer, but you need basics in order to layer, all right? And we're actually going to go check out their website for a second. They've got the fall 2020 rocking. So you've got these t-shirts. They've got the Henleys, which are pretty sexy as well. You can, you can double up, go Henley under a flannel, I think is a good look as well. Get weird with your style. But they got all the basics, man, if you need anything. We've got the hoodies. They've got the t-shirts. they got bottoms. they got motherfucking collections. We're out here collecting Pokemon cards. We're out here collecting cuts clothing. All right? Use promo code Big Dogs B-I-G-D-O-G-S. B-I-G-D-O-G-S. That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping. Upgrade your style game. All right, players? Link will also be right in the description for that. Let's move over to the Eagles and the Lions. This was just the most pathetic game of all time. The Eagles went 44 to 6. Jalen Hurts was bad. Jalen Hurts was what we would call not good. All right? I have a very big vocabulary, and that's the two words I landed on because you don't need to get specific with it. You don't need to get high risk with the vocab when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Just know that he wasn't fucking good, and uh, and I don't know what they're going to do with him. But they came away with a dub. Uh, the NFC East is a shit show, so who who knows how long they're going to continue to believe in Jalen Hurts. I, I can't imagine Gardner Minshew as much of an upgrade. I feel like they're probably about similar in passing game, but Hurts gives you the rushing side of things. Uh, So you continue to throw Jalen Hurts out there as a fantasy quarterback because obviously you see 7 for 71 on the ground. He'll always have that floor for you. The big news here, this was probably one of the bigger storylines of the entire week, and that would be Boston Scott being the guy in the Eagles' backfield. So you'll see the, the box score, and you'll see Boston Scott 12 for 60, Jordan Howard 12 for 57, Kenneth Gainwell 13 for 27. And Kenneth Gainwell actually leads the team in carries. But he did not really play at all until complete garbage time. It was all Boston Scott, and it was all Jordan Howard in the beginning. They combined for four fucking touchdowns between the two of those former, Scott and Howard. Boston Scott was the starter. Boston Scott was working with the starters. Boston Scott was heavily involved in the beginning of the game. No one was involved in the pass-catching portion of things. Uh, Boston Scott got one target, but I guess that monopolized every single running back target for the Eagles, which is kind of fucking pathetic. But uh, that's how it went. So Boston Scott seems to be one of the top waiver wire pickups at the running back position this week. Jordan Howard's going to continue to get involved in this offense. Uh, I don't think he takes all the goal line work. I do think he takes some of it, and it becomes a coin flip between Scott and Howard on the goal line, because we've seen, like historically, last year, this year, Boston Scott has always been a guy that they like the goal line, even when Miles Sanders was healthy. Jordan Howard, a guy that we've seen play on the Eagles, right, just activated. We've seen them like him on the goal line with Miles Sanders healthy. So I think this is, you know, Miles Sanders is fucked the rest of the season. We'll put it that way. Like he ain't get another fucking goal line carry going forward. Boston Scott is a guy who's going to leave his backfield right now. And he's always been a pretty shifty player. He's always been a pretty good NFL player, like a good role player that you'd want on your team if you're a fan of a fucking certain NFL team. So Boston Scott becomes one of the priority pickups on the waiver wire this week. And you could probably play him immediately as soon as Miles Sanders is, uh, as soon as Miles Sanders is, I don't remember what I was saying. Snacks just started yelling about something in the text. Uh, On the receiving side of things, Dallas Goddard continues to be a tight end one now that Zach Ertz is out of here. Seven targets, six for 72. Everyone else on this team is not trustable whatsoever in the passing game. Jalen Rager did suffer a serious injury, it looks like. So it's hard to say I have more faith in Devonta Smith, but I don't really have any faith in anyone besides Dallas Goddard right now. Uh, Detroit, ugly fucking game, bro. I wish they could just bench Jared Goff. DeAndre Swift, man, crazy because Jamal Williams gets ruled out right before the game, and you think, you know, DeAndre Swift, we could trust him. We could trust him to go fucking off. Uh, I guess the good part about it is he still catches five passes. He's probably on pace for like 1,042 receptions right now, but just absolutely nothing by way of the yardage. 51 total yards on 17 touches and zero touchdowns, so – you just kind of wipe that slate clean and just expect another six catches plus going forward every single game. No wide receivers you can start whatsoever in this group. Uh, you keep firing up TJ Hawkinson as a high-end tight end one uh, week in and week out because they're going to continue to get their asses absolutely paddled. Titans Colts. All right, so this is probably the moment y'all have been waiting for, and that is what the fuck do we do with the Titans backfield? So Derrick Henry... Breaks a part of his foot. He breaks like a toe, um, and the reports are this: six to ten weeks. It's possible that he is back for the beginning of uh, or uh, you know Tennessee's playoff run if they get there, which looks like they have decent odds, six and two. Um, so they they can definitely definitely get there without Derrick Henry. I'd be really interested if anyone's looked this up how much Derrick Henry's injury has impacted their playoff lines. I think he might be the only running back in the league where now that he's gone for the year basically, he actually impacts, you know, their odds of winning the uh, AFC South or their uh their playoff chance odds or whatever it is, right? He's like the only guy I think at the running back position that could do that. So, he goes down 6 to 10 weeks. If I own him in season long, you're you're one. If you own him in season long, you're probably doing really fucking well up to this point. I would throw him on my IR spot okay I'm definitely not dropping him because here's the thing six to ten weeks probably needs closer to eight weeks it is week eight right now week eight just happened six weeks would put that at week 14 eight weeks would put that at week 16 and remember this is a 17 game regular season which means the regular season goes until week 18 which means a lot of people's championship games are week 17 so there's a possibility That Derrick Henry could be back for your semifinal game, for your championship game, for people that play 18 weeks in their fantasy season this year. Very much likely he'll be back for your for your championship game. His productive, his production level at that point, I have no fucking idea. This might be a you know, he might be at 75 percent health by that point, even though they're playing him so. With Derrick Henry, I'm holding on to him and I'm putting him on my IR spot because you're probably in a really good point uh, spot at this point in the season if you own Derrick Henry, and you'll probably make the playoffs. So And he might be back for that. So holding on to Derrick Henry, what happens behind him? All right, well, we know they just signed Adrian Peterson, which makes things really difficult. This is probably going to be a committee going forward between what I would say AP and uh, Jeremy McNichols. De- uh, Darrington Evans, I believe, Darrington Evans, was on the IR, came off for a game, then is hurt again. I, I'm not, I don't actually remember what the fuck it was, if it was a concussion or if it was something that they put him back on the IR for, but not expecting him to make an impact. What could happen, you know, the, the NFL trade deadline is next week. I mean, uh, tomorrow. So in the next 24 hours, I believe it's 4 p.m. tomorrow. <clears throat> I think there's two ways that the Titans can go. There's three ways. There's, with, number one, they could do absolutely nothing in the trade deadline. Two, They could look for a running back, right? They could look to trade for a Marlon Mack. They could look to trade for someone like, you know, we could talk about Melvin Gordon, right? Like Denver just traded uh, Von Miller to the Rams, obviously. So, you know, everyone's going to be like, well, they're in the trade market. That means like fucking, that doesn't like, yes, every team is in the fucking trade market. Do they want to trade? Melvin Gordon is the question. It has nothing to do with Von Miller. Melvin Gordon's been so involved in that offense that I would be surprised if they moved him. But that does open up the possibility of a guy like Melvin Gordon going there, right? Like he could put up. Actually, I was gonna I was gonna say some dumb shit. Like he could put up seventy percent of the production that Derrick Henry can. Like no, the fuck he cannot. Um, but still being a lead back in this offense, that's a good offense, and gets a ton of goal line opportunities, would be useful. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Right now, my favorite pickup I would I would prefer AP to Jeremy McNichols. McNichols did not get a carry in this game. Uh, Derrick Henry hurt the foot, was on the sideline, came back in. So maybe that's why they just thought Derrick Henry was okay. So they're not giving me nickels, any work. He did catch three passes, uh, three targets, three passes, thirty-three yards. He's probably going to be the passing down back. What what the Titans have shown is when when Derrick Henry's not on the field, they do use a committee, and it seems to be an early down guy and a pass catching guy. Okay, uh, when Derrick Henry's on the field, they only use an early down guy because they just hand it off to Derrick Henry every single time. They don't need someone to catch passes out of the backfield. So I. I would prefer Adrian Peterson. I think he becomes the early down back. Jeremy McNichols is certainly worth owning, and you pick him up, especially in PPR leagues. And I would say their value is maybe even, I would still take Adrian Peterson because I could absolutely see Adrian Peterson going like 17 for 51 and two touchdowns next week. I think we're going to see a couple of those games over the next two months for Adrian Peterson. He is a veteran. He's trustworthy. We've seen this five fucking years in a row, a team signs him and he's used immediately, right? There's no like learning gap. They're just like, here's the ball, fucking run it up the middle, run it really hard, just like Derrick Henry did. So AP becomes probably the number one waiver wire pickup this week. In my opinion, you have Boston Scott, you have Jeremy McNichols. The other side, the other way that they could go with this is looking for another wide receiver in the trade market. It's not that often that good wide receivers are available or like trades happen this late in the season right next to the trade deadline for a wide receiver and they could just go very pass heavy their offense has always been successful using play action off derrick henry to pass the ball and that's why ryan Tannehill has been efficient for tennessee up to this point in his career i think i mean without a doubt obviously they have to go a lot more pass heavy going forward huge news for aj brown who went absolutely fucking nuts this week you start him every single week as a wide receiver one. Hopefully Julio Jones comes back. I'm not banking on him. And that's the problem is what happens behind Julio Jones. This is why they might need someone in the trade deadline. This is why they might need to trade for someone, but no one else really catches that many passes, which is why I think the running backs might be heavily involved in the passing side of things, which is you know, why both guys are worth rostering. Both guys are probably flex worthy players, right? Because, Adrian Peterson will get the goal line carries McNichols. My, we might see games where McNichols gets, I, I believe we saw a couple of games when Derrick Henry left early in the year at one point where like Evans and or McNichols both saw, you know, five to seven targets in a game. So we could absolutely see games like that behind, uh, behind AJ Brown, though, you don't really have anyone that's playing well, or seeing a lot of targets or, or producing at any sort of level that's fantasy relevant. So you go out there, you pick up both guys. I prefer Peterson, but it's just, uh, Shitty day in the neighborhood of Derrick Henry owners. On the flip side of things, Wentz, Taylor, and Michael Pittman. In that order. Wentz, Taylor, Michael Pittman. That's a lie. Absolutely flip that. Taylor, Pittman, Wentz. All playing very studly games right now. All right? Wentz was a guy that has been continuously getting higher and higher and higher on because their offensive line gets um, more and more healthy. I'm going to be honest, man. I'll fucking, you know, everyone's complaining about Jonathan Taylor not getting enough work. I mean, he's getting 20 opportunities a game. And, He's very talented, of course, but like the way that football Twitter works is like, stop running the ball. Every time you pass the ball, it's plus EPA. It's plus EV. Every time you run the ball, it's minus EV. Pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. And then as soon as the team fucking passes the ball, you're like, we need this running back to get more touches. What the fuck is Frank Reich doing? What are you doing? It's just fucking everybody being hypocritical and going against everything they say every two seconds. All right. Carson Wentz throwing the ball 51 times. I fucking love it. I love it. They're letting him air it out. And he's looked good throwing the ball deep, man. He's connecting on 50-yard plays, 40-yard plays, 30-yard plays, like left and right. And Michael Pittman has looked fantastic down the field. 15 targets in this one. 10 catches, 86 yards, two touchdowns. I hope you all traded for him when I put him as a buy-low target two weeks ago because he is absolutely every bit of the alpha that we are hoping for. Easy top 15 wide receiver going forward. He is just everything for Carson Wentz. Everything. Jonathan Taylor looks amazing uh 122 yards from scrimmage and a tugger yeah do i think they could give him 22 carries a game probably all right i'm not gonna sit here and be like he should get less fewer fucking touches he should get more touches for sure but uh with ty hilton already ruled out for the concussion for thursday night's game they play they play this thursday on thursday night football i want to say they're against the jets maybe See what the schedule looks like. Yep, they play against the Jets. Let me pull up the NFL schedule grid on this side of things. Yeah, so they get the Jets. So you're obviously starting Wentz. You're starting Michael Pittman. Jonathan Taylor will probably go off against the Jets in this one. Um, With Hilton out, I think Zach Pascal is honestly not a terrible flex play. He just has games where he scores the touchdowns. And whenever he's like the wide receiver, two, he gets a really solid target share. eight targets in this one. And he's probably good for like a four for 50 game. And if he scores a touchdown, he's going to, you know, it's going to he's going to be all right for your fantasy team. Obviously, super desperate, but like you could do worse. Cowboys, Vikings, Cooper Rush, shout out Cooper Rush. 325 passing yards, two touchdowns, 8.1 yards per attempt. Zeke had a pretty shit game, 16 for 50 on the ground, 4 for 23. But Cooper Rush was slinging it, man. We had Amari Cooper go 8 for 122 and a touchdown on 13 targets. We had CeeDee Lamb 6 for 112 on eight targets. Cedric Wilson 3 for 3, 84 yards and a tugger. Good shit all around. Um, I'm glad that they rested Dak because that calf injury usually takes three plus weeks to heal. Uh, But now he should be pretty good to go. Um, They play against Denver next week, who will now be without Von Miller. Then they get Atlanta, Kansas City, Las Vegas. So you've got like four very startable games for Dak Prescott, who's hopefully back next week. I think he will be for sure. Um, So, you know, you continue to fire up Lamb Cooper. Down game for Dalton Schultz, unfortunately, but he did still see seven targets. So you just wipe that off and continue to put him in as a tight end. One, Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, not a good game. Not a good game by anyone on this offense except for Adam Thielen. Six. Catches, 78 yards, touchdown. I mean, he's going to have those games. Justin Jefferson, really disappointing day. Four targets, two catches, 21 yards. Tyler Conklin, seven targets, five catches, 57 yards, which is a good game. I think you can, you know, he's one of those guys that, like, he'll have games like this and he'll have terrible games next week. So you just kind of, you know, if, if you're desperate at tight end, you could you could throw him in as, like, the tight end 12 to 15 in that ranking area, but don't expect too much, so don't bank on him. Dalvin Cook, 18 carries, 78 yards. We're not seeing the uh, the ceiling games out of out of Dalvin Cook, really, man. It's kind of dis- really disappointing. But we've got some good matchups ahead uh, at Baltimore is tough. They are much better against the run than they are against the pass. But after that, they get the Chargers, who are terrible against the run. You get Green Bay, you get San Francisco. So uh, better days ahead, hopefully, for Dalvin Cook. But the ceiling games are just not there, unfortunately. But we're not really about to complain about Dalvin Cook. So we have the Buccaneers versus the Saints. And can I just start off by saying that the James Winston dancing video in the locker room was the best piece of content I might have ever seen? Without a doubt, the best piece of content in 2021. I put out videos every single day, and that was without a doubt better than any video, I've any single video I've ever put out. Like the everything about it, the video angle, the, the lights flashing, him being on the crutches. It was like a horror movie meets the thriller video meets like the sickest fucking underground Brooklyn rave during COVID video. Like it was it was just every part of it was just unbelievably awesome. But he tears his ACL. And that's not very awesome because now we have this predicament at quarterback. Is it Trevor Simeon or is it Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill has not yet returned from his concussion. That's not good because it's typically what happens with a concussion is you either clear that within the first week, right? You have five, five steps to go through and it's 50, 50 typically for a player to clear and be back the next week. And if you don't clear right away, that means you're obviously still dealing with symptoms and those symptoms It's a coin flip for how long they'll last. It's not always like you just tend to get better after, you know, if you miss one week, you're definitely back for week two. Those concussions can last, you know, for a long time. The symptoms can last for three weeks, for five weeks. Terrell Williams is still out. It can last for months, you know. So it's anybody's guess as to whether or not Taysom Hill comes back. He is absolutely a priority pickup, though, on waiver wires this week because as bad as Taysom Hill is at throwing the ball downfield, He's really good at fantasy, okay? Last year, I want to say in the four games he started, he was uh, QB1 in all four games. I think his worst performance was like 20 and a half fantasy points with upside of 30-plus points. So if Taysom Hill is back, I'm assuming he'll be their starter for sure over Trevor Simeon, who is basically like if you took Drew Brees and if you took 40-year-old Drew Brees and only let him throw left his left hand, that's like the stats that you get from Trevor Simeon. So Taysom Hill becomes if you're in a super flex league, Taysom Hill is without a doubt on your waiver wire and he needs to be fucking owned because he's going to put up big points for you. It's basically like being able to pick up Jalen Hurts off the waiver wire right now. All right. So how how would you value that? That's a very, very big opportunity. Um, But keep a very close eye on the concussion protocol for Taysom Hill, of course. Uh, What else we got here? Nothing really notable from any other side of the ball. Antonio Brown continues to miss time down game for Fournette. Uh somehow a down game for Tom Brady is 375 yards through the air and four touchdowns. Chris Godwin continues to ball the fuck out, eight for 140 and a touchdown on 12 targets. Down game for Mike Evans, that's just, you know, that's what happens. Fournette, though, did have five targets, so you love to see that. We're just gonna wipe this away as a, just a bad game. They do get a bye in week nine, though. Uh so Antonio Brown, you know, uh maybe he's back after the bye, maybe not. I will say though, he definitely affects this offense, man. When Antonio Brown is out, Godwin has been just such a fucking baller. And as someone who owns Godwin and Etown Getdown, Get Down, I mean, I mean, I own a lot of Antonio Brown, though. He was one of the guys that I hyped up most this summer, and I own him in, like, I want to say, like, three or four different leagues. So, like, I want Brown back, but, like, Etown Getdown Get Down is the one league that I care most about. So I like when Chris Godwin is doing this, and he does not do this when Antonio Brown is back. The Buccaneers are 6-2. and two. The two games they lost were the two games that Antonio Brown did not play. So there's a clear difference here. Uh, Rob Gronkowski also. Came back for the first time in four or so weeks. Saw one target, tweaked his back. So, I don't know. Keep an eye on Rob Gronkowski because he might be hurt as well. Uh, He's obviously dealt with a lot of back injuries over the last few years. The bike is not bike for Rob Gronkowski, okay? So, they do get a bye. So, they get to rest a lot of their players. Coming out of the bye, they get Washington, the Giants, the Colts, Atlanta, Then they get two tough games, Buffalo, New Orleans, but for the fantasy playoffs, you get Carolina and the New York Jets in week 17. Um, So depending on what happens with these injuries, you know, we're looking at some big, big, big games coming from their team. I just kind of want to write this one off. The Saints defense looked really good. Uh, Masterful game plan by Sean Payton here. We have Washington versus the Broncos. Uh, I guess the biggest takeaway here is just Antonio Gibson continues to fucking stink so fucking bad. Throw this man on the side of the fucking street on a Tuesday or a Thursday morning, please. Because he just he just belongs in the garbage. I don't I just I don't even think I don't even think he's playable at this point. The first, you know, Jared Patterson, 11 carries for 46 yards. Antonio Gibson, eight carries for 34 yards. JD McKissick, three carries, but has eight targets, eight catches for 83 yards. Um, and this was not like garbage time shit, obviously. This was a close game. This happened immediately. The first first uh, drive of the game, it was split between Patterson, Gibson, and McKissick. So I don't know what's, what's going on here, but week nine, they get a bye. Week 10, you play against, probably the toughest run defense in Tampa Bay. So Gibson is like kind of unusable for the next two weeks. Then they play Carolina, who's a good run defense as well. Uh Hopefully. I mean, I, I almost hope they just don't play him against Tampa Bay or Carolina. And then you get him for Seattle, Vegas, Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly for the stretch run. But right now Gibson's borderline unstartable for you, uh, which is fucking brutal. So I guess Jared Patterson deserves to be picked up, but like, I don't think you're going to see any upside from him as long as they keep making Gibson active. Um, But the carries, I guess, were good to see. I I guess Patterson is probably worth picking up, especially if you're a Gibson owner and you have room on your roster because it seems like he's the clear handcuff right now. On the Denver side of things, Melvin Gordon looked good again, gets into the end zone twice, clear split again. Nothing I could tell you that's new from Gordon or Williams. Keep an eye at the trade deadline, obviously. Uh, Patrick Sutton, Judy. Judy's first game bite from the high ankle sprain. He was not really used in 12 personnel sets, and – Tough to say what's going on there because, you know, do they do they do they go more 12 personnel because Judy's banged up or it's his first game back or do they go 12 personnel because Albert O is back and it's a nice little tandem of Albert O and Noah Fance. I would probably go with the latter, but the question becomes, you know, when does Judy start to take over a bigger role in the 12 personnel because Tim Patrick was out there a lot of the time with Cortland Sutton. Either way, man, Denver is a team that's like not a very explosive offense. They're using their running backs a ton and uh, it's hard to get excited about any of the wide receivers on a weekly basis you know Sutton does have that week to week upside so you continue to roll him out as like a wide receiver two flex play Judy I'm not yet ready to put into my lineups he was definitely not going into my lineups this week now that we saw him back uh, he did not play the full slate of snaps so I still kind of want to see him play a full a full game getting like 80 percent of the snaps before he's back into my lineup so you, you you hold him obviously but I don't think you can start him yet we have the Jaguars versus the Seahawks Trevor Lawrence, 4.4 yards per attempt. Not not the GOAT-type numbers. Uh, James Robinson, the biggest takeaway here is that he does get hurt. Carlos Hyde takes over the backfield. James Robinson's injury is some sort of like heel-foot injury that is day-to-day. It was not a big injury. So um, Carlos Hyde's a guy that definitely needs to be picked up depending on what James Robinson's status is. Jacksonville plays against... Buffalo next week, so you're probably not starting Carlos Hyde if James Robinson misses time, and I expect James Robinson to be fine after that. They get Indy, San Fran, Atlanta, Um, so pick up Carlos Hyde, but like I'm not really enthusiastic about playing him next week if James Robinson does miss time. Then we have Dan uh, Dan Arnold, who I've been saying needs to be a tight end to pick up, and he gets 10 targets, 8 for 68 through the air, Uh, big, big. Big-time shit there. Jamal Agnew, man, continues to be super involved. I think they like Jamal Agnew more than they like anybody else in this wide receiver group, man. 12 targets, 6 catches, 38 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Jones, 7 targets, 5 catches, 35 yards, so a terrible game. LaVisca Chennault, certainly droppable. Uh, definitely, I mean, I don't think I'd be owning him up to this point anyways, but the only guys you could start in this offense right now are Marvin Jones. I, I wouldn't be starting Jamal Agnew whatsoever, but, like, I think he deserves to be owned in, in deeper leagues because he's getting so involved and playing on a ton of snaps in this offense. It's like... Uh, Leviticus Chenault was the hybrid guy in the beginning of the year, and then Jamal Agnew kind of just took over that role. So it's uh, it's like Chenault just has no valuable role or targets coming his way. It's pretty ugly out there. Uh, on the Seattle side of things, Alex Collins continues to dominate uh, in the running back group. Rashad Penny gets seven carries, seven yards. He looks terrible. He's probably redroppable if you picked him back up. Uh, I would own Alex Collins. Chris Carson might be done for the year, so – That's uh, not encouraging. So Alex Collins is like a flex play that will get, you know, 10 to 15 touches a game, depending on it. kind of sucks because they had a good game script, but Collins just did not really capitalize on it. So it's kind of a committee, but Collins leads the committee in a kind of a shitty offense. Tyler Lockett goes off because, of course, he does after having terrible games. I'm pretty sure I told everybody to sit Tyler Lockett and he goes uh, 12 for 142. So basically just like fuck off from everybody. Tyler Lockett. Going forward, like, I'm still like this one game does not scratch out the last couple games that he had with Geno Smith. Like, I'm not super confident now in Tyler fucking Lockett. Like, he still has Geno Smith as his quarterback, and I still think we're going to get more games of, you know, three for 40 than we are 10 for 140. So he's more of a low end wide receiver three still going forward for me. Patriots charges. Uh, On the Patriots side of things. Nothing that we can really take away from this game other than Damian Harris still very good at football. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Jacoby Myers, nine targets still super disappointing. Only four catch for 37 yards. So he's still like a desperate flex play in PPR leagues. And that is literally about it from the new England side of things. Justin Herbert, another really bad game came out and said that new England Patriots defense, they basically expected one thing and saw another thing. I think they expected like, I don't know, some kind of coverage and they, went with something completely different, which is, you know, the Patriots style of shit when it comes to defense. So like Herbert, I, it feels like he needs like a simplified defense in order to really excel right now. You know, he, he, he looks so good. And then he played Baltimore, New England, and those were just not, not, uh, not easy defenses to really play against. And and they're difficult defenses and they disguise things well, and that might be the problem, but they get Philly, Minnesota. Uh, so you start him against Philly, Minnesota, I guess you do too. And then Pittsburgh, man, that, that game could be a very, very disappointing game for, for the Chargers going forward. The other big takeaway here is for me, Mike Williams, five targets, two catches, 19 yards. And a lot of Justin Herbert's struggles have come with Mike Williams's struggles as well. There's something wrong with Mike Williams right now. Uh, he tweaked something in his knee a few weeks ago, and that's clearly hampering him. And until we get explosive Mike Williams, we might not get upside out of Justin Herbert. So, Although he, they're not saying he's injured, Something, something's off with Mike Williams. And I think we like downgrade him pretty significantly until we see the big game out of Mike Williams. Or at least we see him running all the snaps and getting targets downfield because he's not getting them really right now. Otherwise, Austin Eckler, who kind of banged up his hip apparently, missed some practice time this week. But I think we're understanding how the Chargers do things like – Austin Eckler just didn't feel right. Um, all the reports throughout the rest of the week, though, were that he was feeling fine and that he was going to be uh, good to go on Sunday, and that was the case. And, you know, he shouldn't have been worried. He gets 17 touches, 10 targets in the receiving side of things. So Eckler continues to be a high-end RB1. Bengals-Jets. Somehow, you know, this was like the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. The Jets win this game with Mike White at quarterback. Mike White led, you know, barring Monday Night Football, Led the NFL this week in passing yards with 405 yards. He also had the single lowest average depth of target with 4.2. The single lowest A dot. If you told me at the end of the week Mike White had the lowest A dot of any quarterback this week and you didn't tell me any statistics, I would have said the Cincinnati Bengals defense, their fantasy defense, scored like 45 points. But lo and behold, he throws for 405 yards, three touchdowns. It was because uh, this is actually what I talked about last week, too. I was like, a lot of the times the backup quarterbacks tend to play within their bounds and just dump off and dump off and dump off and dump off. And holy fuck, Michael Carter, 14 targets, Ty Johnson, six targets, Jameson Crowder, nine targets, all of these short ass dump offs led to this huge day for Mike White. So it's going to be really interesting how this, you know, the locker room talks progress in New York, what they do. I mean, obviously, you know, Zach Wilson, the number two pick when he's healthy, he's back out there. This, this sets up like the most disappointing game for Mike White ever. Someone out there is going to start Mike White next week because they need him. Super flex leagues or some shit. Mike White's going to end up going like fucking 17 for 38, 142 yards three interceptions, getting sacked five times, 100%. Or I could be wildly fucking wrong because I took, in the underdog play of the week, Mike White under 205 passing yards. He almost, this is how ridiculous, uh, Mike White almost hit 205 passing yards on the first fucking drive of the game. It's not even possible, but he almost did it. Just to spite my ass. But the biggest takeaway here is obviously Michael Carter. 15 carries, 77 yards and a touchdown. Nine catches, 95 yards. So he goes for over 170 total yards from scrimmage 24 touches on 29 opportunities and a touchdown as long as mike white is under center michael carter is an obvious start because he's going to continue to get an unbelievable amount of dump offs uh indy's defense they do have a lot of fast players on their defense so it's going to be interesting to see you know maybe they let these guys get the short dump offs and then try to use their speed to tackle them quickly so this could be another game where it's, you know, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson dump offs again. And I expect that to continue to be the case. So Michael Carter, like rock solid RB two in PPR leagues. I think you still obviously start him in half PPR um, and Ty Johnson, even so, man, they use him a lot, especially in the passing game, five for 71 and a touchdown in the passing game. So he's a flex play as well. Uh, the jets play over the next few weeks. Indy Buffalo Miami. So Buffalo that's going to be tough to play but Michael Carter yeah you play him against you play him next week of course against um who the fuck did I just say Indy yeah. Uh receiving side of things. If Crowder is a guy that could be moved in the trade deadline, you know? Uh he's a guy that's like a nice piece for their NFL team but like they don't really need him because it's not like they're playing for anything right now. So if they can get anything in return for Crowder like a 5th, 6th, 7th round pick, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up moving him but if they don't Jameson Crowder is a guy, he's basically like the Michael Carter, the Ty Johnson of wide receivers, where he's going to benefit from Mike White not being able to see, you know, he's he's got, he's nearsighted where he can't see more than 10 yards down the field and he just dumps off every single time. So Jameson Crowder, nine targets, eight catches, 84 yards. Even Elijah Moore, six six targets, six catches, 67 yards. Uh, we're not going to see a game where Mike White's going to throw the ball 45 times. I believe they had like, you know, 75 plays, all to, yeah, 72 plays altogether for this offense. Actually, no, 76 plays altogether for this offense. Not going to be the game that we see week over week um, for the Jets. So temper expectations for for fucking Mike Mahomes White over there. Michael Carter, you obviously start him. On the Cincy side of things, this is exactly how I said shit will play out for Joe Mixon. And I remain confident. I remain steady with my point that Mixon is an easy sell-high candidate right now. He's an easy sell-high candidate right now coming off of this game. Because this was so fucking obvious to see. He has a really big game three weeks ago. He has an okay game last week. Or no, he has a really big game two weeks ago. Okay game last week. But he scores a touchdown. And then I said he's going to have a really big game this week. And then you trade him. He's just, he does, he sucks uh, on the ground, bro. Like, yes, he makes some guys miss every once in a while. But this offense is not conducive to productivity through the ground. And yes, he scored a touchdown. Because they started off, Mike White had like multiple interceptions where they got the ball on the one-yard line. And Mixon should have had multiple touchdowns. But he only converted like one or two of them on the goal. He only converted one of them on the goal line. But they had like five carries from the one-yard line, okay? Can only convert one. Ends up having a good game through the passing side of things. Five targets, four catches, 58 yards, also a touchdown. That's not predictable. More often than not, he has like four fucking receiving yards. So this is the game you sell him high after, all right? So I would flip Mixon for, you know, maybe Stephon Diggs. Someone who's not playing well right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the kind of shit that I think will be really, really helpful for you going forward. Because, again, once you get to the playoffs, they play – Cincinnati plays uh, Cleveland. Then they still have their bye. And then they play Las Vegas. They play Pittsburgh, the Chargers, San Fran, Denver, Baltimore, KC. So they get some good games, but, you know, Pittsburgh week 12, San Fran week 14, Denver week 15, at Denver week 15, uh Baltimore week 16. So it's on easy schedule going forward, and they sold their bye week. So I I I remain steadfast that we should be trading Joe Mixon high. All right. Don't give him away for nothing because he's a solid RB2, but trade him high if you can. Uh down game for Jamar Chase. should have had two touchdowns, so it shouldn't have been a down game, but he still scores a touchdown. T. Higgins bounced back strong, four for ninety seven. Tyler Boyd involved, as he, I guess, kind of is sometimes, but is what it is. T Higgins, a uh, high end wide receiver three going forward. Tyler Boyd, a low end wide receiver three and Jamar Chase still wide receiver one. Last game of the slate. We had a disgusting game of Rams versus Texans, but shout out to the Texans for throwing 22 up on, uh, on the people I was playing against that had the Rams defense for keeping them in check and bringing them down to earth. So Rams offense is fucking amazing. And again, as, as I've said for the last like six fucking weeks, I don't know many running backs in fantasy football that I would prefer over Darrell Henderson going forward. I will probably start doing rest of season rankings once we hit the double-digit weeks. Those will be available to our members. Uh, You can get a membership, bdge.store forward slash community, to get the rest of season ranks when they actually drop later on in the season. Uh, Darrell Henderson, just high-end running back one, Cooper Cup, high-end wide receiver one. Van Jefferson, I know like the the cool thing to say this week is that Van Jefferson is like a good play going forward and he should be a wa- waiver wire pickup. And like, yeah, I guess I agree because Deshaun uh, Sean Jackson probably going to get moved today or tomorrow. And if he doesn't, then he's just not going to be part of this offense regardless because you don't want to be there no more. Van Jefferson will have games like this three for 88, but like he'll have a lot of sh- three for 42 games where you're, you're not going to be able to play him. You're never going to feel confident in putting Van Jefferson in your lineup. That's what I'll say. Uh, Robert Woods. Not a great game yardage-wise, but finds the end zone twice somehow. You know, three for 22 and a touchdown on the ground, three for 35 and a touchdown through the air. Does get nine targets, which tied Cooper Cup for the team lead. Robert Woods has been – I want to say he's been like a top – he's been a, a wide receiver one for sure fantasy points-wise since week four or five. Whenever he had that bounce-back game where he was – you know, everyone said fucking squeaky wheel. The Same notion from every single person that talked about fantasy that week. Robert Woods has been a top-ten guy since that week, so like – They've had a lot of really, really easy matchups over the last like five weeks. It's literally been so fucking easy. I mean, they started off Chicago, Indy, Tampa Bay, Arizona, which is tough. Then they had Seattle, Giants, Detroit, Houston, and they get Tennessee next week. So, really, really easy to see as to why Robert Woods has been good and he'll be good for this week. Uh, But I would, I might be looking at trading him after week nine against Tennessee because they get San Fran. They still have their buy. Actually, I might take that back. They still have their buy. They get Green Bay jacksonville arizona again seattle minnesota baltimore so eh, kind of mediocre schedule i guess maybe hold on to woods and just play him as a flex play going forward houston davis mills 310 and two tuggers uh tyrod still day-to-day they might just be nursing that shit until they feel really comfortable that davis mills is not their guy but i don't know i feel like who fucking knows everybody stinks in this offense first game without mark ingram who's on the saints and going back to mark ingram real quick i think he's a handcuff i think you i think you should pick him up if you're a kamara owner maybe if you if you've got like an open roster spot because i feel like he'll get a really big touch load because he knows the offense obviously already uh doesn't need to learn anything if something were to happen to kamara uh first first game without ingram four carries for burkhead five carries for someone named scotty phillips three carries for lindsey two carries for david johnson Nobody really involved in the passing side of things. Burkhead does get three targets, so he led the backfield, but like, I don't really expect that to be the case every single week. Good bounce-back game for Brandon Cook, 6-for-83 and a touchdown, but again, hard to trust with Davis Mills at QB. Otherwise, everybody stinks on this team. Brevin Jordan, 3-for-41. He was an exciting fifth-round rookie pick out of Miami, pretty athletic guy. Was this his first game back? He is someone to keep an eye on. Let me see. Brevin Jordan. First game back, maybe. Let me check this out on the Twitter sphere real quick. Brevin Jordan. He might be someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I think this might be his first game that he's been active, and he played a big part of it, and he... Uh, and he produced, so I, w- I would keep an eye on Brevin Jordan. For all those y'all that are in like the dynasty rookie community, you probably know who he was. He was looked at as a as a big time player in this rookie class, and then he had a pretty uh, unfulfilling combine. Let's bring his combine up right, right quick. Unfulfilling combine, and uh, and then he dropped down boards pretty heavily, and then he went to the Texans, and then he basically dropped the fuck off boards. But good first game back, man. Someone to keep an eye on don't have any targets really to to go anywhere with in that texan's offense yeah so he ran a 473 super disappointing because we thought he was gonna be a really really good athlete but yeah brevin brevin all right y'all that pretty much wraps up the game by game recap for y'all i hope you enjoyed if you want to support the brand, you could do that by hitting the thumbs up button. Obviously, you can do that by subscribing to thy channel if you're new and turning the notification bell on so you know when we go live because we do a lot of live streams throughout the winter. And speaking of winter, y'all, the best way to up your fashion game is to get a bunch of minimals, All right, You need to layer up. We need t-shirts. We need hoodies and we need jackets. All right. Go check out cuts clothing cutsclothing.com the link will be the first link in the description and you're getting 15% off your order if you use the promo code big dogs 15% off plus free shipping cuts clothing they got the beautiful hoodies they got minimal t-shirts on there they got Henley's they got fucking I wish they had Hennessy on there they got bottoms and all that kind of shit all right so check out cuts clothing if you want to support the brand promo code big dogs I love y'all I'm out until tomorrow's waiver wire video peace